Welcome to The Healing Catalyst. I'm your host, Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh, and I know that Ayurveda can transform your life. How? Because it transformed mine. And the best part is, it's easier than you think. Your body has exactly what it needs to heal itself. All you need to do to enhance its healing power is to start practicing healthy routines, which I can teach you. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple, ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. Let's get started. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 41. Well, hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. And if you're new here, I'm Avanti. I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome. As we're rounding out the end of the year, the end of 2021, I've been both reflecting on the past year and visioning the coming year. And the word that sort of feels like it sums up this past year for me is change. And I know this is a shared experience for many of you that are listening. You know, I've experienced change in every part of my life. And I've also experienced change within change. I don't know if that's also been your experience. What I mean is that there are the changes that we all went through with the pandemic, literally changing on a weekly and sometimes even daily basis. And then there are the changes that I made in my own life. And then within those changes, there were the changes that I just had to kind of go with. And so my motto has been, and we flow. And that's definitely what I've been doing this past year. I've also been visioning the coming year in 2022, planning so many new things, a new online course, new workshops, a second book. Yep, I'm writing a book proposal right now and refreshing this podcast, which means we'll be taking a short break in January. But don't worry, we'll be back in February with a new look and an amazing lineup of experts that will be sharing their knowledge, guests that will be sharing their inspiring healing journeys, and me teaching you more about Ayurveda and other integrated medicine. In addition, there's also one other thing to look out for in the coming weeks. We'll be starting our first January Jumpstart Challenge, a 21-day guided challenge with me that will help you kick off the new year with a solid foundation to support your health. Now, each week for three weeks, we'll focus on specific tools and strategies based on the wisdom of Ayurveda that you can then build upon for the rest of the year. If you're already part of my newsletter or part of the Healing Catalyst Collective, you'll automatically get access. If not, there's a link in the show notes to sign up. Now, speaking of the new year, today we're diving into the idea that what's old is new again. Said another way, we're going to be talking about some of the shifts in health and wellness that you'll be seeing in the coming year in 2022, but through an Ayurvedic lens. My guest today is Kate Spees, the Senior Vice President and Editor-in-Chief of Well and Good, a leading lifestyle platform committed to journalistic reporting of resources with expert-led events and panels to support a wellness-minded community. 
In our conversation, Kate and I discussed the idea of looking at trends instead as shifts and movements. We talk about the need for more inclusive voices in wellness, and we dive into what you'll be seeing in 2022, including cellular health-focused skincare, a more holistic approach to fitness of mind, body, and spirit, and the fact that employers are finally recognizing the need for mental health benefits for their people. Now, I have to admit that I was really nervous about talking about trends and wellness because that's not really fitting with my philosophy on health and wellness. But this conversation actually left me very, very hopeful because it seems that so many of the changes that many of us are experiencing in our personal lives are finally, finally happening in the health and wellness industries as well, making ancient healing traditions like Ayurveda more relevant and more powerful than ever. And so as this year comes to a close and we start on a new year, 2022, I'm sending all of you so much love and my best wishes to you and your families. I hope that you have some time to rest and relax and enjoy the holiday spirit. Take care and be well. And now on to my conversation with Kate Spees. Kate, I am so excited to have you on my podcast today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, I have to be really honest with you. Um, when my team first came to me with this idea about talking about trends and wellness, my first instinct was to say no, because I'm not a big believer in trends. You know, and I, I'm an Ayurvedic practitioner, I'm a physician. And so my perspective is that there are no trends in wellness, right? It always goes back to basics. But I will tell you that once I talked to someone on your team and got a little preview of what your report is for the next year, for 2022, I had a change of heart because I realized looking at all of the, the trends, all of the different things that you guys had sort of honed in on, that it was almost sort of a paradox, right? For me that what we see as trends today are actually 5,000 years old. I could see the roots of Ayurveda in every trend. So it was really, really interesting to me. And I started thinking about the fact that, you know, I'm always continually surprised by the brilliance of Ayurveda because what they wrote 5,000 years ago is still true today because it comes down to the basics of how human beings stay well and how they stay healthy. So I just wanted to start with that because I was, I was really, really hesitant to do this. So, you know, I don't know what you've found in talking to people about these different trends over the years. I completely understand that. I think when we're talking about people's health and well-being, it feels kind of bizarre to your point to call something a trend because innately what humans need to be well is has been pretty consistent and of course there are practices like Ayurveda that are incredibly ancient and very storied and so it feels weird to then start throwing around the word trend and we actually have this discussion a lot internally because our trend report has also evolved so much over the years. We started this 12 years ago and really at the start, it was about trends. It was about trends within fitness, maybe different modalities coming to the fore or trends within food, different kinds of ingredients people were using. But 
as we've seen the idea of wellness and well-being really start to shift and become so much part of the cultural consciousness, we've really seen that the shifts and changes and movements in the well-being industry have a huge impact on people's life. And it probably is actually more apt to call them shifts and movements and evolutions rather than trends, because lots of the things we're covering are just new iterations or innovations within the space, not flash in the pan things that are going to disappear. So I completely understand your your hesitation. And I'm glad that I'm glad that we convinced you. Yeah, absolutely. I am too. It's been really interesting to again, I got a preview to read some of the uh the the things that you guys are going to be talking about and getting an understanding of how you come up with this information, you know? And so I think that that's a really good place to start before we actually get into some of the specific trends that we're going to cover on this episode is I would really love for you to share with my listeners, you know, how do you come up with this list? Because it's not, um, again, one of the reasons I signed on to doing this is because it's not a bunch of opinions, right? I'm not interested in like, what's the newest, latest and greatest you know, trendy thing to do. Um, this is about data and research and evidence, right? I'm very much about that. So can you share a little bit about that process before we get, you know, diving into the actual trends? I would love to. And I'm so glad that you asked me to share this because it's really important to us at Well and Good to reiterate that we believe in science. We also believe in in data and in fact checking and we take the privilege that we have to talk to people about their well-being and their health very seriously. We would never, ever want to be a, um, a resource that is putting misinformation out on the internet. And so, so much work goes into this trends report. So really we start months in advance over the summer. We will start having conversations about shifts and movements that we are seeing all of the reporters on the Well and Good team are constantly talking to industry experts. We do daily reporting for, for the site because we are not here to put forward our opinions. We're really here to give a voice and amplify um, experts within the wellbeing space. And so we start with the brainstorm with the entire team where we start to think about, okay, what are things that we're noticing through our reporting, through talking to doctors like yourself through talking to other experts in their fields and also talking to a ton of brand founders, people working at venture capital firms. And so we come up with an initial list and then it gets divided up by vertical and our vertical experts go out and do very heavy duty reporting. So talking to trend forecasting firms, lots of talking to founders and various different experts at brands, and then a lot of talking to medical professionals, registered dietitians, personal trainers, exercise scientists, um, neuroscientists, just so many different experts. And really, we have a kind of framework of data points that are needed for a trend to be approved. And once we have 
satisfied enough different requirements, then we will get into the phase of doing the final pieces of recording interviews and then writing these trends up. And then, of course, they go through very heavy editing and fact-checking as well before they make it live onto our website. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's important, again, to you know, reiterate that it's not about, you know, having just these opinions that are just put out there, you know, the last year and a half, I mean, I'm sure that you have been at the center of talking about these issues and I've been talking about them too, is what's been happening in wellness specifically versus health, but wellness and, you know, sort of, um, the shifts that have happened right from it being very, very, you know, the access to a lot of the things that were being talked about in wellness um, being very limited to trying to open that up to more people, the voices that were represented. Right. And so I think, um, again, another hesitance was that, you know, who's, who's creating this trend report and who are the voices that are being represented? Right. I think that that's really important to talk about too. Incredibly. So we are big believers in well and good that, well-being and access to tools and practices and services and information that helps support one's well-being should be accessible to all. I personally have a huge problem with how whitewashed the wellness industry has been for a really long time and how rife with misinformation. And so we are constantly working at Well and Good to make sure that we have diversity, inclusion, and representation right at the core of all of our content. And also that we aren't buying into some of the more dangerous parts of the kind of capital W wellness industry. We really believe in well-being. And, you know, as a brand, we take issue with some of the ways that people within the wellness industry have commodified and you know, appropriated practices that have been around for generations and thousands of years without, you know, without proper respect, without proper attribution. And so they're, they're definitely things that we're trying to, to work against in the wellness industry all the time, but particularly with these trends, really trying to amplify some of the more positive movements within industries like beauty that have traditionally been fairly racist and finally, you know, are having a bit of a reckoning around the way that particularly black and brown people, black and brown founders and consumers have have been left behind. And so that's just one example of the way that we want to shine a light on some of the issues within the wellness industry and really to, with all of our work and with trends, continue to amplify a message of wellness doesn't have to mean spending hundreds of dollars on products. It can if that's what feels good to you, but it doesn't have to mean that. So many wellness practices are free. And also just things like your financial health or your emotional health or the health of your home have huge impacts on your well-being. And they are all things that can be worked on for free. And so all of those messages are, are very, very important for us. Yeah, I know. And I agree with all of that. I think that's so important to 
um, consider all aspects of health. You know, that's something I think most of my listeners know I harp on or I talk about all the time here on this podcast is that, you know, Ayurveda is about taking into consideration all aspects of life and how it affects your health and well being, because it's not just about the food you're eating, which is very much a focus in Western culture, right? It's important, but it's not the only thing, right? And so it's much more of a 360 sort of look at all aspects of life, which we'll get into in, in one of the um, specific trends that I wanted to talk about. But let's let's double back to something you already talked about, you know, skin health. And so let's just go there. That's actually one of the the trends that I wanted to talk about. And Specifically, you guys are saying that, you know, cellular health focused skincare is going to be a new trend. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So we have seen a really positive shift within the beauty industry over the last couple of years, really driven by the fact that experts in this space, dermatologists have this increasingly large platform on social media to distribute information about skin and about skin health. And that's been coupled with this real, um, this very strong desire from consumers to improve the aesthetic look of their skin as well. And so for the last couple of years, skincare has really been focused on aesthetics, which again, is fine. But what was being left behind was the understanding that the skin is our largest organ and the health of it is incredibly important as well. And so what we're seeing now is that savvy consumers are pushing for more information and are really concerned with going kind of deeper into their skin to maintain longevity and to maintain health over the decades. And the beauty industry is responding by releasing products that help to stimulate some of the body's natural biological responses to aging. So there is a process called autophagy, which is essentially cleaning of the cells. So it's in, in layman's terms, it is making that your cells are working really efficiently to clean themselves. That slows as we age, but there are a bunch of ingredients that can help support this process. And so we're seeing products that are packed full of these ingredients. And I find this trend to be exciting because I really hate the term anti-aging. We are all going to age. What is anti about it? It is such a privilege to age. However, I do think that there is a legitimate need to preserve one's skin health as they age. And then the aesthetic kind of benefits of that are almost a byproduct. So I think that this is a positive trend within or a positive movement within an industry that has traditionally been focused only on, I guess, the, the skin deep version of of care and seeing it uh advance into into this area is exciting i think yeah that's great but so let me ask you this before we get into the ayurvedic perspective is you know how how does this apply to an individual person right so you've talked about what you know companies are coming out with but how does this how does this translate into what you me every listener can do or expect to see, but also how they can access that. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. And so what this means is over the next 12 months, consumers will start to see in all big beauty retailers from places like CVS through to Sephora's products with the words longevity, skin health, and using different um, different products that are going to really restore skin's metabolic cycle. And so brands like Acoderma, Herb and Flora, Olay, Perex are really using these ingredients that are going to be available at various different price points for people to start using in their routines. And so what this means is if someone is interested in the longevity and health of their skin, they're going to be able to access these products in really the next couple of months. And so the ingredients to look out for are topical ingredients like caffeine and antioxidants. And so these are the things to look out for when you're shopping for products that are going to support skin longevity. Right. And so this is really great because this actually is a, a concept that has been in Ayurveda for 5,000 years. Specifically, it's called Fa Chagni Vardhani, which is actually means enhancing the skin's metabolism. So this was written 5,000 years ago in the Vedic texts, right? And so, you know, the idea is that you know, there are many factors, intrinsic and extrinsic, that lead to aging, you know, just naturally throughout the body, but also for the skin, because the skin, like you said, is the largest organ of the body. Um, and that, you know, specifically, skin metabolism is how we have skin renewal and growth. And so that leads to longevity of the skin, skin health but also from an aesthetic perspective as well. And so I think it's um, important again to, to note, right? Ancient wisdom shows up again, that you know the focus on the metabolism of the skin, of releasing toxins from the skin, of promoting skin health from within at the deeper layers um, is now coming into the future um, and showing up in all these products that are available. And um, you know, not only all the products that, you know, that you've mentioned that are going to be, you know, widely available in a lot of the mass retailers, there's a lot of, you know, Ayurvedic products that I have talked about that I'm a huge fan of um, that are compounded and created according to traditional ancient formulations um, that have some of these different ingredients, caffeine, but they also have things like triphala and turmeric and all of these antioxidant ingredients. And so I think that that's, again, something for many of us to consider is how can we start to incorporate some of these types of ingredients into our skin regimen on a daily basis. So I think that's really important. I love that. And I love to, you know, I think it's really cool when you see, I guess, mainstream consciousness acknowledging and starting to embrace some of these ancient traditions as as you pointed out and the fact that so many of these ingredients are things that people may already have at their home and and can find ways to incorporate it um with with what they're already doing is is awesome too yeah. And so again, going back to sort of that idea that this is, should be accessible to everybody, this is not about going out and buying a $50 cream or formulation. You know, it goes back to sort of what a lot of us who are South Asian or children of immigrants 
grew up with making masks and different types of treatments at home in our kitchens with our parents, you know, and sort of being like, oh my God, I can't believe mom's making, you know, a mask out of yogurt and adding turmeric and, you know, all of these different things to it. But actually those are all the ingredients that we're talking about in these formulations. And they're actually a much purer form because you're doing it right there in your kitchen. You don't have to worry about stabilization on the shelf or anything like that, that a lot of the formulators have to deal with. So I think it's just, you know, again, reorienting yourself to this idea that, you know, there are ways that you can incorporate all of these trends that we're going to talk about on a daily basis. And it doesn't cost much to do that. Exactly. Exactly. And mums just always know best. Everything <laughs> that we all used to eye roll at, actually they, they are wise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it goes back to that, you know, look to what are the family traditions and your cultural traditions and the recipes, you will find so much healing wisdom um, and medicine in that knowledge and that information. So I always encourage everyone to keep looking at that and Again, when you start to do that, you start to see all of these trends we're talking about. And, you know, I'm going to link in the show notes, the full trend report, because we're only going to have time to talk about, you know, like three, but you'll see this keep happening when you read through those. And that was what I was struck by when I spoke to your team um, is that I could see how so much of what you guys are reporting is actually ancient wisdom and family tradition and cultural tradition. So that was a real, it was a real interesting sort of uh, moment for me to not have such a quick judgment about things. I caught myself also in that initial no <laughs> to take a step back and reconsider. So it was a good learning for me as well. I love to hear that. And I do think though, it is, it's, it's not, I think that it's wise for people to have a level of skepticism when navigating their way through the wellness industry. I think that's completely fair enough. And I find that I often also am more skeptical of things. And I think that it's good because really there is a lot of BS in this industry. And so it's good to dive a little deeper and, and, you know, really understand what you're saying yes to before, before you do. Absolutely. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Okay. So let's move to the second one that I thought was really interesting. And it was that fitness powerhouses will be taking a more holistic approach to training. So talk to me about this one. I love this trend because I also am someone that really thinks it's so important to think about all the different aspects that feed your health. We're told so often that it's just food and exercise. And we, you know, the experts that we work with on a daily basis are constantly telling their clients, no, it is so much more than that. It is sleep. It is your emotional health. It is your connections. It is your community. And what fitness brands have realized over the last 12 months is that people are looking for more from them. So lots of gyms were third spaces for people. They would go and spend time there. They would connect with community. There might be spa services that were there. There might be a coffee shop. And people really spent a significant amount of their life at these spaces. That was removed, uh, you know, necessarily yeah. because of the pandemic and everyone you know, being as safe as possible. And I think that a lot of consumers 
loved the ease and the um, accessibility of at-home fitness, but really missed some of the other elements they were getting for gyms. And the fitness industry is smart and very commercial. And so they really saw that for them to provide more to the people that follow them, they need to start thinking about all of the different ways they can service their consumers. And so the way that this is going to show up next year is a lot of big brands, everyone from the digital first brands like Peloton to hybrid brands like Barry's Bootcamp or SoulCycle or CrossFit are thinking about, okay, we, we've got fitness down, but how can we add an element that touches on how people nourish themselves? How can we add services that help with people's recovery and stress management? And then in the example of CrossFit, how can we add you know, Western medicine and um, medical services on top of what we are giving people from a fitness perspective. So it's really cool because I think that for someone who just following this CrossFit example, CrossFit is a very intense exercise. It is very high intensity. People really put their body through the ringer. And so what CrossFit have has done is launching CrossFit Precision Care, which is a physician's network full of, you know, legitimate doctors who are also CrossFit trainers and really understand the unique needs of CrossFitters. And I think that's just one example of how fitness brands are aiming to service their consumers in multiple different ways. Mm -hmm. And so does this also mean that you're seeing not only the, the medical perspective, but as far as, you know, mindfulness, I mean, cause you know, there's been all these apps for mindfulness, whether it's meditation or breath, um, that have been sort of siloed and separate from the Pelotons. Are you seeing any combination of those? Absolutely. So nearly every big fitness brand, particularly digital first fitness brands have added over the last 12 months and are going to continue to add Things like guided meditation, things like breathwork session, things like really regenerative stretching sessions. And so one example is Apple Fitness Plus now have guided meditation. So instead of needing to go to an app like Calm and then an app like Peloton to get two different things, you are going to be able to start to find both your intense sweat sessions, but then also your calmer restorative moments in the same app, which I think is really important. And I'm sure that you will speak to, you know, the importance of just making sure that we're calming the nervous system as much as we're amping it up and, and kind of placing it in a mode, in a stress mode. Yeah. And so, you know, this, uh, this goes back to sort of, you know, I have a, the perspective of there's three areas of remedy that we use in Ayurveda, right? The routines, things that we do on a daily basis, then the diet, and then what I call the tools of yoga. And I'm very specific of saying the tools of yoga because Western culture has whitewashed yoga into being about the posture, about the exercise, about the asana. And that is not what yoga is, right? Yoga is so much more. There are many tools. And so I think what is happening, what I'm seeing in this trend is that you're actually going back to this idea that wellness is so much more and health and wellness is so much more than just the exercise piece of it, right? The posture it's about, and, and the movement, it's also about the breath, 
it's also about the meditation and the focus. It's also about the vibrational energy, right? All of these things. And so I think this um, idea, I think that these fitness brands are finally seeing this sort of whole perspective that um, you have to be well-rounded when you're talking about the tools of yoga as how I, I look at it, right? Um, and so again, we go right back to that ancient wisdom again, that it cannot be just about exercise, right? Um, and I hope that, you know, that this is also translating into what we're seeing in the yoga space, right? Is that it is not about, you know, the hot yoga and the, you know, the, the burn yoga and all of this nonsense. That's not what yoga is, right? Like going back to what it really is. Yeah. I, this is definitely a shift that we're seeing within the yoga industry. It's, it's sad. I think that there is a yoga industry because it kind of speaks to, I guess, the whole problem of appropriation within the wellness space. But we really are seeing just generally in our day-to-day reporting for well and good that there is a really positive shift back to ensuring that we are honoring and amplifying the cultural roots of yoga and a shift away from trying to create to your point, really like quick asanas based to hip hop music or some of the other problematic ways that yoga has been appropriated. And there is a woman that we work with a ton called Jessamine Stanley. Um, she's an incredible yogi and very, you know, wise woman within the wellness world. And she recently wrote a book called Yoke that's all about how the practice of yoga is actually so much more important integral to your life off the mat and it's really those you know lessons that one might learn on the mat and the breathing techniques but also the mindfulness the presence the ability to kind of stay within yourself that you know it's those lessons that are most important and carry with you and carry you know you through your life Right. And so I think, you know, again, pulling it back to what an individual, me, you, a listener can do with this information, um, you know, I would encourage you to really think about how do I incorporate all aspects of yoga, you know, all of the tools um, into your daily life. And so it's not just about making sure that you go do, you know, some cardio workout. That's important. That's very important for cardiovascular health. But what else can you be doing? to enhance and optimize that cardiovascular workout that you just did. Because if you're not breathing and if you're not, you know, if you're not shifting yourself, as you said, into this parasympathetic state, and you're always in a chronic stress state, especially from doing a cardiovascular workout, and then you're only in that stress response, you're causing more damage actually to your body because you're in a chronic inflammatory state, right? So I think that this again is speaking to this idea that you have to find ways to downshift, downregulate. So that will really improve your health and wellness overall. And it's just not about the exercise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for people who are looking for support in that space, there will be apps and brands that are going to acknowledge that and are really going to offer the tools to be able 
to for people to be able to incorporate various different um, modalities of peaking the nervous system and then bringing it back down and calming it. Right. Because a positive stress response, and I've talked about this before too, is that, you know, stress is not all bad. We need that. Those positive stress responses, we need those. Those are good for us. Um, But to be in a chronic stress response is not good for us. And so it's how do you balance that positive stress state with then a relaxation state. And that's what meditation and breath work and visualization, all of those things can bring you into that, um, that down-regulated state. So, okay, let's move on to the last one, which was the last trend I wanted to talk about, which is that employers will finally be regarding mental health as serious business. Let's talk about this one. Yes. So I think this is such an incredibly, incredibly important trend and not dissimilar to what we were just talking about, where we are seeing brands, this time being the various different brands and and companies that employ us, really acknowledging that they can't just constantly ask for and take and push their employees without acknowledging that they are human beings mm-hmm. with a with a whole life and with lots of things going on and particularly over the last couple of years with the pandemic with you know social injustice coming to the fore there is so much going on for people and so employers have really recognized that they need to start you know treating their employees as humans and also servicing them in in kind of better ways that are supportive for their mental health. So we're also seeing that there is a movement going on called the great resignation and lots of employees are just saying if you are not going to support me if you are not going to provide flexible working hours if you are not going to provide access to mental health support and therapy that's accessible then I'm out. I don't want to work here anymore. This doesn't work for me anymore. And so what we'll see as a response from employers is this example of, okay, we hear you and we are going to add on-demand mental health services for free. We are going to give you access to counselling. We are going to bring in education around stress management as part of employee onboarding and employee further education. So I think it's a really positive trend and one that hopefully continues long after this never-ending pandemic does end. Yeah. And so what companies or which places have you really seen this happen? I mean, maybe not specific. We don't have to you know, talk about specific companies, but how are you seeing this unfolding right now? So we're really seeing this unfolding in The biggest way is that big companies are partnering with mental health providers, either telehealth mental health providers like um, BetterHelp or with meditation providers like Calm or like Headspace to offer for free or highly subsidized mental health services. And it really spans the gamut from counseling and therapy 
through to meditation and moments to reset. And so lots of big companies are setting the example here. And then we also have new startups. There is one called Lyra Health. It's a digital mental health platform for employers. And it has just raised a huge round of financing so that it can service more companies. And really this is a like full service platform where people can access all of the different things that go into supporting their mental health. And so what this means for consumers next year is that they can and should expect more from their employers. They should start to see their benefits include things like subsidized subscriptions to a headspace or subsidized access to a therapy platform. And I think it's really positive. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, and again, pulling this back to Ayurveda, you know, we always look at you know, the diet, what you consume is not just food. It's about what's coming from every aspect of your life and affecting your overall health, not just your physical health, but your emotional, physical, psychological, right? All of those, and even spiritual health and emotional mental health is a huge piece of that, right? That this idea that toxins come into our uh, system from every aspect of life. And so, you know, this, the, the past 18 months have been sort of, you know, a real lesson in how, um, our emotional health is really, really affecting our overall well-being, right. With the number of people who are feeling lonely and depressed and anxious. I mean, it's, it's like a pandemic on a pandemic that we're experiencing in this, in, in this country anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the incidence of anxiety, depression, loneliness, PTSD are all skyrocketing in a way like we've never seen before, at least in our lifetimes, or at least hasn't been reported before and hasn't been tracked. And really people need support for very obvious reasons. And it cannot be understated to your point, how much our emotional and spiritual and mental well-being impacts every part of our health. There are, you know, being in a state of um, kind of stress response, like we spoke about earlier for long periods of time, has huge impacts on physical health and for markers of health over the long term. So I think that this growing awareness of the importance of mental health is an incredibly important shift in the industry. And the fact that employers are meeting meeting their employees and really providing these services is essential because we spend so much time at work and work is a big source of stress for so many people. And so there should be that support there. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. So I think it's, I think these are all, you know, amazing things that are happening. So, you know, the, the last question I really have for you is, you know, what advice would you give to listeners as they're trying to sort through all of this wellness information, because they are going to get inundated in the next few weeks. When this episode comes out, it's going to be the end of December. We'll be coming up on the new year and you know, the new year, new you and all of this stuff. It's just, they're going to get inundated with information. So how, how would you um, advise listeners to really sort through um, this information? It's such a great question because the new year is a time of (laughs) peak wellness. And I think my big, my biggest advice would actually be to opt out of that 
pressure as much as possible. I think that it is great to go internal and to have a tune-up and to really think about, okay, what what is it that's going to serve me for the next 12 months? But my, my, I guess, plea to people would be, please don't get trapped in some fad diet. Please don't let toxic diet culture or toxic fitness culture or toxic wellness culture in general tell you that you need to make some gigantic shift and to be a completely different person because really the the biggest thing that I think everyone needs to think about is how do I nourish my body in a way that feels satiating and and serves me? How do I get some movement into my day in a way that doesn't feel like an awful grind? So is it a walk? Is it more intense? But are you balancing that with some restorative stuff? How do I manage stress? What what is the form of meditation and mindfulness that works for me? I am personally not very good at guided breathwork meditation, but I love a good walking meditation and that really serves me. And then how am I thinking about my community and my personal personal connections and maybe thinking in January about instead of being so, so focused on our, ourselves, maybe thinking about how actually over January we could think about how to do some things to strengthen our community or strengthen the bonds we have with those around us. Because as we mentioned, loneliness is really peaking right now. And I think that being able to have strong emotional connections really does treat so much. You know, it doesn't treat everything, but I think that it goes a really long way. So my advice would be pick the things that serve you, do your research, don't believe the hype and try and focus on, yes, yourself and what's working for you, but also those around you. Yeah, I love that answer. Thank you so much for saying that because I think, again, it comes back to, you know, taking a, a look at yourself and, and considering what has been working for me, what is not working for me, how do I feel? You know, I always say in Ayurveda, the symptoms show up, however subtle or obvious they are, they're showing up with information for you. They're showing up to tell you something. So take a moment and notice. And so maybe this is an invitation um, to really take notice of what's been showing up for you. And then taking a step back and thinking about what are some things that I can like sort of go back to the basics to help move myself back into some like a little closer to balance so that I can start to alleviate, sort of ease those symptoms just a little. So if I'm finding that I'm having headaches all the time, or I'm feeling anxious all the time, you know, maybe it is that connection I need with other people. Maybe it is just getting outside and taking a walk or making sure I go to bed on time or, you know, decreasing the caffeine. These are all simple things that are not trendy. They don't have lots of technology involved with them. They're really basic things. And then maybe filtering it and looking at, okay, so this is what I want to do. What are some of the new things that are happening out in the world that can assist me, that can support this need that I have, whether it's decreasing caffeine. And so maybe there is, you know, another, a, a different way of looking at, you know, something that has a little less caffeine in it that I could add into my daily routine to decrease my caffeine intake, right? Things like that. So how can you support your goals? Um, based on what's showing up for you. So I really appreciate you saying that. 
Yeah, I love that filter. I think it's a great point not to just follow newness for newness sake, but to really focus on what you need and then look externally to see, okay, well, what are these innovations and advancements that can help support or supercharge what I want? I think that's a great point. Yeah, exactly. This feels like a really good time to end our time together. And I have just, you know, one or two questions for you, which is, can you complete the sentence for me? Wellness is? Wellness is the ability to sleep well, to eat great foods, to think about my emotional and spiritual well-being, to be a bit active and get outside and to spend great time with friends and family. Yeah. And so if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Oh, it's such a tough one because I'm very divided between sleep, which I honestly am. And it's a huge privilege, but getting eight hours of full sleep really does wonders for me. But also healing is so centered in my community and being with my people and having my cup filled by time with them. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kate. I really appreciate it. If you love this podcast, and I so hope you did, please subscribe. That way, you'll get real-time updates anytime I post a new episode. And if you're feeling really inspired, please leave a review so that others can find this podcast more easily. If you want to learn more, visit me on the interwebs at avantikumarsingh.com, and you can subscribe to my newsletter, where I send exclusive invites to my events, special announcements, and give you more self-healing tools and tips. And if you want to hang out even more with me, I spend most of my time on Instagram. You can find me at Avanti Kumar Singh, and we can connect more there. Until next time, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing, because healing starts within.